What a lovely day! So it's episode 92 of the Geek Ricks podcast, and we are going to talk about Mad Max Fury Road, uh, a film that weirdly probably wasn't on my radar that much, probably six months ago, uh, even when there was a lot of Comic-Con buzz after its first trailer. But as trailers started to add up, and as uh, our summer season has started to shave up to maybe not be as exciting as we had initially thought, maybe it is, I don't know, Mad Max started to become a great hope for some filmgoers, and based on the overwhelming Rotten Tomatoes score, which, I mean, is not like the world's greatest metric, but certainly at least one of the best places to sort of judge critical response, I don't know if I've ever seen a live-action action film get this sort of just overwhelming buzz. I mean, was it got three rotten reviews now and 190, <laughs> 200 positive reviews? It's at 99%, I believe. Yeah, yeah. it might be at 98 now, but holy <laughs> crap, you know, that's that's Pixar-level stuff. Uh, good Pixar-level stuff, actually. But anyway, yeah, Mad Max Fury Road. It is it is in theaters now, and we, we've all seen it, and we're going to talk about it. And I'm joined by Hannah. Hello. Cal. Hi. Harper. Hey. And there's me, so <laughs> I'm joined by myself. And uh, Hannah, you know, since I tell you, really, Max isn't really the star of this. Furiosa is the star of this, so I'm going to let our own personal Furiosa take over <laughs> and man the questions for this uh, podcast. We'll do a little bait and switch like they did with the trailers there. Yeah. So, okay, it kind of feels stupid to go around and ask if you liked this movie. So instead, I'm going to ask, how much did you like this movie? <laughs> Let's start there. Uh, I loved it. I loved it maybe slightly less than I was expecting just because of the hype uh, from many of my friends who somehow unfairly got to see it at a preview screening <laughs> before me. The hype was, you know, unbelievable. So I was pretty damn excited. Uh, but I walked out with only teeny tiny squabbles with it and overall had a fantastic time with it. My experience was fairly close to that. I liked it a lot. I think the hype probably a little bit worked against it. I got out and was like, yeah, that was good. But I mean, when I was watching, like just the experience of watching it for like 90% of the movie, I was just completely enraptured. I was having a ball. You know, I thought it was pretty great for a movie that undermines men. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, sorry, I was trying to channel my... MRA friends. No, I don't have any MRA friends. So, you know, fuck that. Uh, no, it's awesome. It's, it was, I had a good time when the move, when the credits rolled, Hannah and I were sitting there and I, all my instant reaction was, woo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I like literally, I walked out of the theater and I'm like jumping cause I've got like this excess energy <laughs> from all of the momentum of that movie. It's probably the closest I've ever felt to like getting off of a roller coaster at a theme park when I left a theater. Yeah. Just kind of like I felt like I hadn't, you know, been breathing properly. <laughs> like I had to take a deep breath and calm down. Well, you've seen it twice now. I have, yes, and I I feel kind of bad because you guys were mentioning the hype, and I went with my brother last night, and I was like, 
I'm not going to hype this film. I'm not going to say anything. And I just, like, couldn't help it. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Except that Furiosa is the next Ripley. Oops, sorry. You know, like, I just kept doing it. (laughs) And so I totally, like, probably messed up his expectations. But he still enjoyed it. But I was right there with you. I, I was not excited about it like everyone else like you guys were all pumped and and couldn't wait and i was like this is gonna be an action movie that i'll probably be okay with at best but yeah then the credits rolled and i was like wow that was that was pretty perfect so i was really surprised i didn't have any experience with the previous films going into that did you guys were you fans of the franchise something you grew up with i love the second movie a lot I mean, The Road Warrior is is a, a great apocalyptic action film. Um, I haven't seen. Now, granted, I haven't seen it in like fifteen years. It's not like one of my favorite franchises because I don't. I don't think the first Mad Max is particularly great, and I don't think the the last one. The last one is not good at all. I don't think the third one, Beyond Thunderdome, but uh, the second one is is kind of excellent. And weirdly enough, kind of like a small trivia thing, it came out about 30 days before Blade Runner came out in the theaters. So, and there's a funny aside I read somewhere, I think it may have been in Todd Vanderwerf's Vox article about this Valkyrie Road. Edgar Wright says that dystopias fall into one of two categories, either the Road Warrior or Blade Runner. And it's funny to me that they came out at the exact same time. (laughs) And I love both of those movies. So yeah, that's basically been my experience with the Mad Max franchise. I think I saw Road Warrior when I was young. I think my dad made me watch it. <laughs> I was not not all that into it. I was pretty young. And then and I've never seen the original. Um, and I believe I saw Beyond Thunderdome at a live Rift Tracks thing at some point. <laughs> but so, right. So my uh, my experience has not been all that great with the original trilogy. I, I'm interested in going back now. But yeah, I've seen the first Mad Max and that's it. And uh, I actually didn't go beyond that because I, I didn't like it really on any level at all. And everyone was like, oh, but you got to see The Road Warrior. And I was like, yeah, but you told me I have to see Mad Max. And that was fucking... <laughs> I don't have to see Road Warrior. But honestly, I mean, you know, as a testament to Fury Road, I, I got back from that and uh, went on Amazon and Road Warrior Blu-ray is $5.99 right now. So I was like, yeah, I'll get that. As should you all uh, through the Geek Rex Amazon Geek portal. Geek Rex on that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will. Kyle, a, Kyle did the same thing. I, I ordered it, yeah. Because uh, I've never owned it. Like I said, it's not like a movie that I'm – it's not a franchise I'm in love with. I there, Believe me, there's no part of me that wants to look at Mel Gibson on screen these days. It's kind of hard for me to even take the guy seriously anymore in like hindsight. But – George Miller's a, a pretty interesting filmmaker, and uh, so I, I, I thought I would take the plunge for six bucks to like revisit the good one, the really good one. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm kind of nervous about. I haven't seen any of the films, and I'm kind of nervous about even trying to watch them after watching Fury Road. Like I, I was flipping through stations the other day, and I saw part of two on TV, so I stopped and I was like, "All right, let's check this out." and I was like, this is boring. I don't know. <laughs> I caught it in the middle, so it's possible it just, you know, I wasn't attached to it or anything. But it's going to be really hard to go back, I think. It's a weirdly unfair comparison, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like if somebody said they wanted to, uh, I don't know, people going back and looking at Blade Runner now, people think that's kind of boring, too. I think that's a beautiful film. They just, they have different aims. Yeah. And there's different abilities back in, back in like, the 1980s. I mean... 
Some movies are timeless. Aliens, for example, is a movie that still works regardless. But not many action movies were aliens. And God, comparing a 2010s action movie that is pyrotechnics and very stunt-oriented and just uses a lot of CGI versus a movie that uses none of that is, you know, it's tough to sort of balance the two. Yeah, I think it might have also just been when I happened to catch it because it was in the middle of a car chase. And I'm not sure if that movie is all car chase like this one was. Is it? It's a lot. It is. Okay. So I just wonder how it could possibly hold up to this one, you know? Like you said, it's it's older, it's different, but... I mean, I've got my, my friend Matt... Our friend Matt thinks it's better. Mm. So, I mean, it, it really just depends, I think, maybe on what sort of memories you have of it, too. True. Like, what did you see first? Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, another thing I was wondering, what what do you think this film's audience is? Is this a film for action movie fans? Is this something with kind of a broader reach? Because this is not a film I thought I would like, based on the kind of genres that I like. I think that if you don't like action movies, like it really at all, like, I mean, if, if you're amb- like, you like the great ones, but you don't like just average ones, you'll probably enjoy it. But you have to like action movies because this is like 80% action. And I'd be curious to see what someone who didn't like, who didn't enjoy kind of that go, go, go aesthetic uh, would even be able to tolerate it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. My wife and I were talking about it after we left the theater, and we were talking about how how little dialogue there actually is in the movie. And at a certain point, I was just kind of my my thought on it was just that I I didn't really care. Like the movie could have had no dialogue whatsoever, and I didn't think it would have changed that much. It is all about the action. Like there is there's no question there that the movie is about these this single gigantic set piece that the whole movie really is. So yeah, I mean if you if you have any interest in that kind of thing in the spectacle of it, then I, I think it'd be hard not to like it. But you know, I, th- I I would probably agree if you're not somebody who really if you're looking for like a real you know, maybe emotional attachment or a real, you know, a, a story, a story about storytelling or, you know, where you're looking for that kind of thing. You may not find it here, but, you know, I don't know. Most of my friends are more interested in the giant spectacle. So <laughs> we, we, I think we all are suckers for that. I'm torn because I, 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 I get what y'all are saying. I, I, I think that the movie, it is such an overwhelming action bit that probably somebody who doesn't want to look between the lines on a movie and just absorb the movie for pure entertainment value will say, well, that was just all action. There was no plot there. But I actually found a lot to admire in the way the movie unfurled its plot and its characterization in the smallest, sparsest ways. For example, any like character arc for Nux, the Nicholas Holt character, that uh, you know, everybody is, is quoting for the lovely dayline uh, this this weekend. Um, I, I was I really was surprised by how his arc was handled. I was surprised at like the sort of unspoken relationship between Max and Furiosa, and how every one of the um, concubines or brides or wives or whatever, though I can't remember their names right now. Unfortunately, there were so many of them. I, I admired the fact that each one had their own character type. Without, They didn't necessarily have an arc, but they at least had definable characteristics beyond just random <laughs> lady victim, random lady warrior, whatever it is. 
and there's just there's something about the way that Miller unfurls everything in the midst of all that chaos that I, I thought was really refreshing. I mean, we're in like an era of like movies where they tell you every single thing that's on their mind. I mean, even like the cool filmmakers that I admire do that. Mm -hmm. This movie doesn't do that. It, it like cuts out so much exposition that it's kind of refreshing. Yeah, you know, when when you mentioned the idea of the the, the breeders, basically, I wanted to, to mention, I was reading about, you know, kind of how the movie was written, and it, it shocked me, but also didn't shock me, how much depth was kind of written into that <clears throat> that very sparse dialogue. And one thing that I thought was really nice was that Miller actually invited Eve Ensler, who's the author of the Vagina monolo Monologues. She, like, came and worked with him on how to handle the characters of these abused women because she has worked with abused women and sex slaves from Congo, Haiti, Japan, Bosnia. And she's done, you know work with them and did workshops with the actresses in this film to talk about, you know, what does it feel like to carry the baby of someone who's raped you? Or what does it feel like to be held captive by a warlord who's using you as a breeder? Like there are real people right now going through this and they actually went to the trouble to talk to people like that and try to capture some of that, even though these women don't have a lot of dialogue, which you know, that, that, like I said, it surprises me and it doesn't. I think this is a film that even if you don't necessarily love action movies, I think it might be one of those movies that represents kind of the best of a genre. You know, like I hate Westerns, but you still are like, you should watch this Western because it's better than most Westerns. I think that's kind of how this movie is for action films. I could recommend it to people who I wouldn't ordinarily think would enjoy action movies. Does that mean I can eventually get you to watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly with me? I guess. <laughs> Didn't we watch a Western like a year or two ago? There's got to be a quota, like one every five years, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. We, I made Hannah watch The Assassination of Jesse James. Which was good, you know. Yeah. But it's just something about Westerns. They just, mm, I don't know. <laughs> But again, I think this is the action movie I would recommend to somebody who didn't really like action movies yeah. just because of that complexity and the layering going on. Yeah, I mean, when I when I say that the dialogue doesn't matter that much, I, I don't mean it to say that it's bad or that the character work is bad. I mostly mean that I love that for the most part the movie does show instead of tell. Like like you say, Kyle, it cuts down on a lot of that exposition. With one major exception that really bugged me in the fact that um, Furiosa has to say twice what her motivation is, even though it's so incredibly clear from redemption. From yeah. It's like, <laughs> I was like, don't say redemption. Don't say redemption. <laughs> Other than that, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's what the movie does best. I think is it tells this story through the action rather than having the action as like this, you know, in between character moments, like the action is what this whole movie's in about. And it builds character through these subtle moments. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Like most movies I'm, I'm waiting for the action to stop. You know, like all of these superhero movies we've been seeing recently with the giant third act where everything is, you know, crazy. And I'm just like, all right, let's just get to the inevitable conclusion of this scene. But the whole movie was just that nonstop action scene. I mean, it, it was relentless. I don't think there's a better word for this movie than relentless. It never stopped. Um, but I guess that speaks a lot to the movie that you weren't bored by. No, never. I mean, it was it was good action. It was practical, you know, which is another thing I wanted to talk about. This movie relies almost entirely on practical effects. There's very little CGI going on. 
Um, I think I read there were more than 150 fully functional working custom cars built for the set, and probably more than half of them were destroyed during the filming of this movie. The, you know, the, the, the people kind of jumping on the cars, those are stuntmen hanging on swinging, you know, swinging posts, basically doing acrobats. I mean, does that, does that change the experience for you guys, seeing something with more practical effects? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I'm going to be terribly controversial in saying that practical effects are still typically about a thousand times better than CGI, especially the way Hollywood uses CGI today, which is lazily and omnipresently. Mm-hmm. I do actually kind of think, like, that last action scene for me, I did have the third act, like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is turning into a Pirates of the Caribbean movie with the swinging max from car to car. Like that is a pirates of the Caribbean two move there, but the craft Miller's craft and all that, I think did help save it as well as the fact that just the film looks so good it, the, the practical effects, the cars, the costumes, the fact that the costumes are really subtle. I mean, even um, the, the guitar guy, Um, guitar guy's mask has a backstory i'm not making that like he sat down with george miller and they were like okay so like what's my motivation as the guitar guy and they came up with a backstory for him wow what's his backstory if you can sum it up shortly he was a uh music prodigy when the apocalypse hit or um his mother was a music music prodigy and she trained him when the barbarians came, they took him and um, blinded him, decapitated his mother, and put her face on him and turned him into their music slave. Whoa. Wow. I, I tweeted, Guitar Guy from Mad Max has a very dark backstory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wow. Doof Warrior. That's his name? That's, he's the coma doof warrior. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. I like all the design work a lot, man. Like, that's like the thing that maybe I admired the most. It, like, especially like the pirate cars with the spikes on them, mm-hmm. which uh, I, I was telling Hannah comes from a movie called The Cars That Ate Paris, actually. That's like an old 60s film. And they basically took those cars verbatim and put them into this movie. And they looked so great in that desert backdrop. Like the idea of um, these deserty pirates that are coming after them. It's like a whole other group of people uh, that probably have like a pretty intricate backstory too. And there's a lot of uh, impressive design work. I mean, Brendan McCarthy, a comics artist who co-wrote the script of this film, designed all most of the characters and vehicles as well and he storyboarded the entire movie for george miller so that was sort of how they got this film up and running initially before they probably did any like changes to it and at script level but i mean it's it's unbelievable the the amount of just beautiful work that's been done to this yeah i i can't i can't help but be astonished by it all yeah i mean kelly you're definitely right in that it is a it's a common opinion that practical effects look better, but at the same time, it's it's getting pretty rare to see movies with practical effects, I feel like. It's almost like, even though the CGI looks worse, it's like we're getting used to it, and so it's okay. I don't know. But it just reminded me how much better a film can be without it, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, part of it's just practical effects are a lot harder 
I mean, they're, they're, they're more afford or they're more affordable and all that, but they're hard because you have to plan out every movement, every motion. I mean, um, I was reading about the original Jurassic Park and I guess they had to build sets around the Tyrannosaurus Rex because it was too heavy to move. Wow. And so, I mean, it looked great. Like the Tyrannosaurus Rex in Jurassic Park still looks better than any CGI I've seen in the last five years, but they had to build sets around it. Like that's, that's an inconvenience. A lot of filmmakers don't have the time or patience or skill. I mean, that, that pre-planning is something that's hard. Yeah, it's true. At the same time, though, I don't think this film would have been anything near what it was without that. You know, that was basically what you're you're paying to watch in this movie, I would argue, is that kind of artistry. It was, it was really impressive. And the, you know, the world building, too, like you guys kind of mentioned in terms of the backstories and the characters. Like, I saw it a second time last night, and so I was able to kind of, like, breathe and cool down and just try to pay attention to stuff that's actually going on in the background. And I was incredibly impressed with just how, how this, this world was completely formed and complicated and detailed the moment you stepped into it. And a lot of that is never really explained or unveiled. It's just kind of there, you know, like you mentioned the, the backstory that that guy was given for his character the cars, the cars all have names. <laughs> like, there's just so much going on. And I think that is one of the things that'll lend itself to this film becoming one of those, you know, classics is people getting really into that, the backstories of the characters. And I mean, one of the first things I said to Kyle after we got out of the movie was like, Dragon Con is going to look like that movie this mm-hmm. year. I feel like everyone is going to be dressing up as someone from that movie. Oh, I totally left thinking like, how can I make that mask? (laughs) It's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many people actually shave their heads, which is, I feel like, a requirement if you're going to try to be Furiosa or, you know. Have a robot arm somehow, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but uh, I I have a feeling, you know, that steampunk aesthetic is already, like, pretty prevalent in costuming. So I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards it. So I was wondering if you guys had any favorite scenes overall, anything that stands out to you after leaving the movie that you still are thinking about or remembering? I, I've got two, uh, two, and they're very brief. They're just kind of, um, the thing that I liked most about it was, as we said, uh, the, the, the kind of quiet world building, the very subtle character stuff. And so I think my two favorite moments in the movie, the two that I keep replaying are, when the the whole uh, Immortan Joe's whole caravan realizes that the um, they're all kind of sleeping, just kind of hanging around, and they realize that Furiosa's coming back with the war rig, and we see Guitar Guy who's sleeping in like a cradle, and the second he hears people shouting, he leaps to his feet and just starts playing. Like he has no questions asked. Like it's like okay, we're moving. Wow. Which is just like, this is that guy's only life. Like, I, he probably just has like a little dungeon that they keep him in where he just jams all day anyway. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and the other one was when they're driving through the, uh, the wasteland at night and we see the completely unexplained people on stilts in the swamp who are dressed like crows. Oh my God, Cal, that was totally mine. That was totally <laughs> mine. I love that scene. Yeah, it's, it's such a cool, like, 
I could see an entire movie t- taking place in that and be like, holy shit, this is really fucking cool. But no, it's like a it's like a 30 second throwaway thing. Yeah, it was incredibly creepy and sinister. And those things look like the creatures from the Dark Crystal. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like those guys walking on stills. I totally was thinking about the Dark Crystal when I saw those guys. Um, but it was also just kind of beautiful. Like it was really, there were a bunch of shots in that film where I was like, wow, that would make a beautiful, just like still print to hang on your wall. That was one of those moments too. I really liked uh, the scene when they first enter the storm. Um, that oh, big yeah. red storm of desert or whatever it is that uh, sort of knocks everybody on their ass and pretty much anything where Max is strapped to the, the front of uh, Nux and whatever the other guys the guy that looked like Stifler to me the entire movie uh, from American Pie yeah. um, I, I think he's actually the dude from X-Men That's and I thought that when I was watching X-Men as well but when he's strapped to the front of that car as a blood bag that was a pretty great like sequence for me because it's like he's just having to bear all the shit and not do anything about it. I think like everything with Furiosa initially like betraying Im- Imperator Joe um, or Immortan Joe is that uh, is probably some of my favorite stuff. I think that's sort of the, like the the initial where where's she going kind of uh, kind kind of mystery of it, yeah. which I liked. And I remember really enjoying the scene where the bullet boys leader gets blinded and he starts like firing sort of blindly, like in this sort of religious fervor. And then Max just literally has to like, he just carries a damn bomb or something, whatever it is he carries over there to them to take them out. Oh, right. (laughs) And off screen it all happens. It just totally cuts out like what could have been a gigantic like action moment um, it's off screen and oh, here comes Max. He's got the blood all over him. <laughs> right. She's like, that's not his blood. That's a great yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, I think I think my favorite moment was actually besides the one that Cal described, after they get through that kind of overpass and the people blow up the rocks, but then they don't get the gas that they want. So another chase ensues. I think that chase was probably my favorite part of the chase because it's the first one where um, Furiosa really starts to trust Max and they start to rely on each other. And there was just something about the suspense and the music in that scene that I was just like, I can't take this. <laughs> like, I was just waiting for my heart to explode. It was so good. And even the second time, it was still, it still really stood out for me as the best part. I was reminded of like stunts from the X Games when seeing these these motorcycles jumping over these cars, <laughs> and, and, and not in a bad way or anything. But yeah. I just I was impressed by like, oh my god, somebody could break their damn neck. <laughs> it was pretty shocking, you know. And that and that final chase where um, Max is kind of hanging out of the car. He's always like, poor him. He's always hanging onto something or in the way of something. And in this part, he's hanging from his torso, like, with his head facing down. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. In that scene, they actually strapped Tom Hardy into a car with a harness and drove. Like, that. that's him there dangling, you know? And it was it was impressive for me. I'll say one one moment that, I, that I'm remembering now is I remember thinking, uh, I can't remember exactly when this was, but when it's, like, almost the first kind of quiet moment of the movie. And I was thinking, this movie... 
you know, this is how crazy this movie is that like the quiet moment where I'm like, ah, is where Furios is like crawling on the bottom of the car on, on the bottom of the war rig to fix it. And people are still like just hanging off the edge and they're still driving like 95 miles an hour through the desert. Like that's the relaxing moment of this movie. You know, that's a really good point. Yeah. Like when she's crawling on, under to fix it or do the repairs or whatever. And it's like, oh, a breath of fresh air. She's just... <laughs> Crawling under a car, driving high speeds, like in any other film, add some suspense music, and that would be probably your action bit. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> definitely true. So, you know, the, the trailers for this movie featured a lot of Tom Hardy. Do you feel like this film hinged on any particular performance? Or, you know, I would argue Furiosa might be kind of the breakthrough character here. What are your thoughts on that? I think it was definitely Furiosa's movie. I mean, you could remove Tom Hardy from it and little to nothing would change. Basically, the the climax wouldn't happen. But honestly, yeah, Tom Hardy was good, but he was kind of kind of a non-entity for me. Like I I, I don't know what his like other than tormented, I don't know if he has a character or what it is or like why I should give a shit about him in future or past movies. Furiosa, on the other hand, uh, even uh, Nux. Nux had a character arc. Hardy was there because it's called Mad Max, uh, and because they probably could not have gotten $150 million to make a movie starring Charlize Theron. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, how long ago did they start filming this, though? Because we were 2012. We were talking about Tom Hardy, and I was mentioning specifically, I feel like he had better chemistry with Charlie's Throne in this film than I've seen him have with anybody. But we were looking back at his filmography, and I mean, he really, it feels like he's been around for so long, but he really didn't achieve superstar status, you know, all that long ago. Yeah, I mean, his big breakthrough role was Inception. Right. Yeah, I mean, granted, he had been in, like, bronze before that. But like that, his big tentpole, big movie was was in Inception, and then it, he had Bane after that. And yeah, the only other, I mean, the only other time you had seen him in a starring role was in that awful Star Trek Nemesis movie where he played clone of Picard. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> a clone that got kind of messed up for reasons unexplained, so why. he didn't really look like Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. It's a terrible film. I mean, when did Inception come out? Two thousand ten. Okay, yeah. So he was kind of off the heels of that when he landed this. Pretty gig, much, probably. yeah. I mean, he was filming that and The Dark Knight Rises pretty close together. Like, The Dark Knight Rises probably filmed right before it, and then he went to go film Mad Max. And this movie took a long time to come out. I mean, they had to reshoot it in 2013 because they were initially going to shoot it in Australia, and the Outback had a lot of rain that year, so it oh, was wow. really green. <laughs> so they said, well, we're not filming here. So they went to the desert. And they were having some like animal and plan like preserve rights issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some concerns that they may have like endangered some of the plant life, so they had to like deal with the government down there. And uh, you know, it's it was it, it was a very extensive shoot when they did reshoots later, which. It's kind of funny, you know, we often think of reshoots as like this terrible thing whenever a movie goes to reshoots, and usually it is. It usually yeah. means that like the studio has gotten like overly involved. But this time, uh, it may have been for the film's benefit. I mean, I don't know what the what the initial product might have looked like, but uh, this it ended up being just fine. Yeah, it definitely doesn't strike me as a film that 
Well, you know, and I, I don't know if this was a movie that they actually screened to people, found problems with, and then reshot, or if the vision just wasn't there for him when he looked at it right away. Because mm-hmm. there's a big difference, I feel like, between when a film actually tries to test out a movie, or a, a studio tries to test out a movie with people and gets bad reactions, and then does the reshoot. It's like, it's pretty much over at that point, it feels like. Yeah, but to answer your question, this movie is Furiosa's and the all the, all the wives. I mean, it's it's their movie. I mean, one of my favorite action beats is when one, when the pregnant wife is like walking on the car <laughs> and you know it's kind of involved in the action. Like yeah. the whole time, I'm like worried. Oh God, I'm worried about that baby. I'm worried about that baby. You know, um, with good reason. <laughs> I know, I know, with good reason eventually. But yeah, I, I was you know they 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 are the centerpiece of this film, and I kind of admire. You know, I'm sad that the the system is in place the way it is regarding fu- you know funding for movies. But I'm glad he stealth gamed it. Yeah, I mean the the whole movie kind of almost feels like a fuck you to the studios, you know. <laughs> the whole movie just feels like a big kind of middle finger to the studios in that it really is like it's called Mad Max, but Cal, you're right. You could almost lift him out and just switch a few scenes a little bit, and the movie would be completely intact. And I almost feel like. It's kind of like the roles women usually get were given to the men this time. You know, the kind of pointless, uh, not really explained kind of vessel type of characters were, were given to the men and the women really got the great parts here, which was awesome to see. And I do think that Furiosa is the character everyone's going to be talking about for for years. If anything in this movie is talked about for years, it'll be her. Hey, Harper. Did Michelle have a pretty positive reaction to uh, all the, you know, the female characters in this film? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the first thing we, we were talking about when we walked out is just like this. This is it was so unexpected, but it is. It's amazing. It's like this, you know, uber feminist matriarchal action movie that, you know, nobody really saw coming. That's so incredible. And I mean, like you said, Matt Max has maybe got one that that one moment when they're about to just kind of ride off into the desert on their motorcycles when he kind of shows up with the motivation to do what they really need to do to make a change and like you said that is that's kind of the role that's usually relegated to the women like just in a movie where you know the female is just there to say you know follow your heart and do what's right (laughs) right and that's kind of what max was here that was the one moment where he actually affected the plot you know, otherwise he was just maybe there to help fight off some bad guys just in the background. But, you know, his his story was not even remotely 10% of the focus of this movie, which was awesome. It was really refreshing and, and cool to see. The timing was kind of funny, too, because we've just come off the hills of discussing, you know, the latest uh, Avengers film and the potential Black Widow problems, fertility discussions there. And this film... You know, whether or not that was actually a problem for you, this film is all about fertility in the other direction. You know, men kind of using women for their fertility. The women are treated basically like farm animals. They're used to create things and they kind of take it back and say, we're really not interested in having your babies, which was kind of amazing. We are not property. It's it's a pretty striking. We are not things. We're not things. Yeah, yeah that's pretty. It's pretty striking uh, statement there. Yeah. And um, you know, even the title, even the title is is pretty literate. Fury. Yeah, yeah. Fury Road yeah. is in Furies. You know, you know from mythology, and that's obviously a very. Uh, it's Furiosa's film. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty stunning uh, how how can how well constructed that that line of thought is. 
Now, do you know how this film is doing this weekend? The the irony to me is that it's up against Pitch Perfect 2, another mm-hmm. female-led ensemble, and both are kind of doing pretty well, but I think actually Pitch Perfect 2 might be to uh, Mad Max's detriment. Oh, Pitch Perfect 2 is destroying Mad Max right now. And in fact, you guys know what cinema score is, right? Mm-hmm. Where you, you want, they, well, do you want to explain it? They walk out. Sure. And... Yeah, uh, there are some theaters where when you walk out on opening night, you are polled on how you liked the movie. It's a A plus B, A plus A, A minus B plus B, so on and so forth. And um, a part of what that's meant to say is kind of talk about uh, studios like to use it to figure out how word of mouth is going to be and. Pitch Perfect 2, I think, had an A- minus cinema score. Fury Road actually has a B+. Plus, really? And uh, a B- plus is considered actually quite bad for a cinema score. It's uh, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 had a B+. Plus. Didn't so, Interstellar have a B+, plus too? Wasn't that a big, a big problem with Interstellar? Was that cinema score? I think so, Maybe. yeah. I mean, uh, for as much as... It seems like there's a big divide between people who are kind of movie connoisseurs, people who really love film and they're seeing this and it's blowing their mind. And then audiences who are really used to CGI heavy, very, very typical plots, you know, like the action beat here, action beat here, action beat here, this moment happened, you know, like those kind of plots are not responding very well to it. That's just shocking to me. And I guess it's just the circles that I run in, but I don't no, none of the people that I know that have seen it or, or are excited to see it, you know, it's just totally opposite of that reaction. That's funny to me. I'd see some reaction on Twitter, you know, just trolling around the uh, Mad Max, like hashtag. I've seen some people react like this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. it, it uh, this movie has about... A slightly larger appeal because it's a franchise than Snowpiercer. You know, to me, they're very; those are very similar movies, and they make for a hell of a double feature: Ice and Fire, blah blah blah. You know, whatever. But it's too weird for some people. Okay, right? there were parts that I love Snowpiercer, but there were parts of it where I did want to laugh at how bad the dialogue was. No, uh, no, but 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 the entire movie. Was but yes, bad, yeah, right, which is not true. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I just I think that's unequivocally false, mm-hmm. right? I don't care how subjective that is, but I think that Fury Road is going to hit some of these similar problems with audience goers. I mean, <laughs> I think audience members are going to respond more favorably probably to San Andreas than they will this movie, which is too bad. Anything that's different or weird, the general public just rejects it. And it becomes like a cult thing instead, you know? Wow. Well, I guess that uh, that leads nicely into my next question was, do you guys think this is going to become like a big classic action film? Or do you think this is destined for some kind of cult film status? I think that... This is going to become a big movie in a lot of ways. I mean, it seems like people are walking out with a very, like, love it or hate it reaction. And the people who love it are definitely selling it hard. Do you guys, are you guys familiar with Lexi Alexander? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a filmmaker. She made, um, like, Punisher Warzone, a few other things like that. She's kind of a hellraiser on Twitter. She's, hyper feminist, very like 
she will never work in Hollywood again because she has dedicated the last few years to insulting the Directors Guild by bringing to light all of the uh, sexist, misogynistic things that they do and say. And she was actually going to avoid it and ended up seeing it last night and just said, I bought a ticket. I bought a ticket for tomorrow on my way out of the theater. (laughs) Even people who are, you know, not prone to liking it, they're spreading the word. So that that's going to help it. And I also kind of think that honestly, if you have an action movie and it looks like a normal action movie for like the next six months, you're going to look like a fossil. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel bad for Jurassic World and Ant-Man. I don't feel that bad for Jurassic World or Ant-Man, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they're going to look like they're going to look like fucking old people's movies <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and yeah. that's going to be the legacy. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I think that I would I would love for this to be the, the, the paving of the future for what action movies can actually be. I mean, it, it's stunning to me that George Miller's 70. And he was able to direct something that feels fresher than any action movie I've seen in quite some time. Uh, it's sort of like showing everyone how it can really be done. I mean, I compared it to like dropping a punk rock record in a sea of of uh, bad arena rock, really. Like overproduced, bad cock rock. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's exactly what this feels like to me. But I don't know. I mean, if this thing is a financial failure... Maybe no lesson gets learned at all. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as like uh, how we felt about Edge of Tomorrow, where we got this action movie that was really smart. It had a great female lead or co-lead. It was original. It wasn't based on anything else. Or, well, you know, it was based on a comic, but it wasn't, you know, part of a franchise or a reboot or anything like that. And it totally tanked at the box office. And it was so, you know, such a failure that they had to change the name of the movie when they put it out on Blu-ray. <laughs> So true. It was a bad name though. <laughs> like, yeah, no question. I don't blame them for changing it. It was a crappy name. No, but I mean, that's the thing is that was a movie too, where we were all kind of, for the most part, very, very, very positive about it and thought that it could be, you know, the start of maybe a new wave of great, you know, original sci-fi. And then, you know, here we are a year later and nobody's talking about it. And that really didn't make as big of a splash except in the critical community, unfortunately. Here's the only place that I think it could survive if it doesn't make a ton of money and word of mouth doesn't somehow save it. And let me tell you something, that whole MRA thing is actually working against their cause because now I know people that have said, I'm going to go see it now because so many of these idiots are against it. Is this truly like a big cause for them, this movie? Like, I mean, I know I've seen people say that men are offended by this movie because it sidelines the men, but I figured that was like, you know, fringe lunatics and not actually a big collective movement. I mean, I mean all MRAs are fringe lunatics. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, there's, there, yeah. I mean, it, the idea that it's a movement is, is idiotic to yeah, say. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it is like the worst parts of our society, you know, but because they've made such noise and because their message has been broadcast about this film pretty widely, a lot of my female friends who said, I have no interest in this movie, have suddenly said, now I'm going to go see it. Now I want to know what it's about. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not marketed as that kind of a movie. It's definitely marketed as just like an action movie with Tom Hardy. Well, it's yeah. marketed as, remember Mad Max? Did you guys remember that from the 80s? Let's go see that again. Yeah. I mean, that's really, they're, they're working on nostalgia more than like what's actually presented in the film. 
which is maybe not the smartest marketing tool considering the last movie came out like 30 years ago. But I think the thing that might save this movie beyond that, if there's not, if word of mouth helps it, that's great. I hope that's what happens. If it doesn't, maybe awards consideration of some kind. Mm -hmm. I don't see this movie being like a best picture nominee, though, by God, based on the critical reaction, you'd think it would be. But maybe some sort of consideration for cinematography, maybe some sort of consideration for sound design, special effects, of course. Uh, And who knows if it's a thin year. And right now it looks like it might be a thin year. Maybe, maybe something along the lines of coming close to director. Maybe. I know a lot of the pundits and the award sides of things that think that George Miller should be considered. I mean, I think it's completely deserved. I also wonder if the timing won't hurt it, though, because by the time we get to award season, this will be way in our rearview mirror. Right. They'll, they'll have to do they'll have to do like uh, screenings for the Academy. Yeah. I mean, they'll have to do special stuff and try to like Warner Brothers will have to get behind it. But at 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, 90 something on Metacritic. I mean, no movie is going to be this acclaimed, not even the awards bait. There's no awards bait coming this year that's even going to touch that, that this kind of critical response. It's not going to happen because there's always at least 10 negative reviews or 15 negative reviews. Hell, Boyhood had that many negative reviews. So I would be, I would be shocked if they, I mean, I think it would be stupid for them not to do it. Mm-hmm. But maybe they don't think an action movie has the legs for that sort of thing. I think the legacy of this is probably going to be, if it doesn't sell well, if it doesn't get awards, this is the kind of movie that inspires young filmmakers. Like this is something that we'll see more of in like 10 years from like up and coming up and comers. It's like, I remember there was a story about the band big star. They released a, they released an album sold awful. Like I think it sold like 10,000 copies or something. And in an interview where they were talking about the history of the band, they're like, it sold 10,000 copies, but all 10,000 people who bought it went out and started a band. (laughs) This is going to be like that. So we're hoping it'll at least be an influencer, if not an actual (laughs) success at the box office. That'd be my guess. I mean, I I have very little faith in the the audience overall, especially if they like Pitch Perfect 2. Did you see that one? I did. And it was not good? No. Okay. No. <laughs> it, is, it is better than the first one, but it is also the first one again. Yeah. So you've heard it here, folks. Cal has seen both. He recommends Mad Max Fury Road this weekend if you're going to see one movie. Yeah. It's just better and ever. Just stop. Turn off the podcast and buy a ticket. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's the perfect place to leave it. So again, turn off the podcast, go see this movie, see it once, maybe see it twice. Let's vote with our wallets here. Try to get some uh, intelligent blockbusters on the horizon. So thank you guys very much for joining us. We'll see you in a week or two with who knows what. It's a surprise. It's a mystery. It's a mystery.